With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing Watson X Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what's going on? Dean Blandino, another episode of Good Calls. I'm your host. Boys, I'm joined by Travis Hansen, Joe Madrid on audio. And again, what is this, three weeks in a row? Scott Tamil. Scott wearing the Instacart t-shirt. Scott, did you work for Instacart at one point? I did for a few months. And what was that? It was, it was uh, horrible. It's a terrible company. And if you need Ooh. groceries delivered, don't use it. Wow. <laughs> so Instacart Take will not shot. be a sponsor. I like it. Yeah, I hope they're not your newest sponsor. So. My apologies. <laughs> this segment brought to you right. by Instacart. Instacart. <laughs> So why are they terrible? Um, they, at the time, I can only speak to when they first came to LA, they were all about speed. So it's like you're, you would not get like as good of a quote unquote rating. Uh, and that, and it was all built on like how fast you could check out. So you were basically forced to game the system as far as like, get things all together, then suddenly check out quickly. Uh, <laughs> so and you were like on one of those game shows where you had 10 minutes. Uh, what was it? Supermarket showdown? dollars <laughs> yeah. And you had to get as much in the cart as possible. That was great. I love that show. They're like filling their cart with turkeys and things. I think so it great. came back for, with Guy Fieri as a host. So check it out. Uh, so, but okay, also, <laughs> I was just going to say, they've gotten in trouble because they've screwed over workers lately because they would hide the tip ability. So you would want to tip them, but then they would add like a fee and it said this helps offset costs or something. So people would think they were already tipping the driver and they were like, oh, it was a mistake. But they're a shady company. So if, okay, if you you were on that show and you had, let's say $500 and you had three minutes, what aisle are you going to first in the supermarket? Uh, Liquor aisle. The liquor aisle? Okay. I think those weren't available. I don't no. think that. It, you got to take away the, you can't, the liquor, I don't think counts. But the, well, the, the point of the show was to try to, in the final run, would be to make, pick the stuff that costs the most money. Like you'd have the biggest total. So I think like you want to go to like the meat section. Like they yeah, would always, I remember them grabbing the like ham. Yeah, turkeys, yeah, turkeys and hams. Yeah. Go to the meat. I would go to the meat section, I think. Yeah. That, I think that's first. 
That's bang for your buck there. And then if liquor was if liquor was open, then yeah, like I could go to the liquor. I'd probably end up in the ice cream section too. <laughs> I feel like everybody used yeah, to go to the it, diaper aisle first. That was where everyone I remember. Oh, that that's smart. Yeah. Diapers is very smart. See, I don't have that mindset. I don't have a kid. I you don't have kids, yeah. But the diaper that, that those are expensive, man. You can get they're like I don't even <laughs> pull ups and stuff. Jeez. What about uh, adults? Me, I have two children. Has, I mean, strong. Travis has eight kids, so <laughs> we yeah. understand that. All right, fifty dollars a month. So here's the question. Here's the question I'll pose to you. Obviously, look, the NFL just came out, and they've been. Um, we talked last week about the video and the NFL employee, and then Roger Goodell admitting that they got it wrong in 2016. Um, now the latest, right? The NFL is is going to. Um, donate 10 years, $250 million, uh, $250 million fund to combat systemic racism and support the battle in terms of the historic injustices faced by African-Americans, all of this, right? And obviously, look, I know we had another shooting um, African-American man in Atlanta that was just, you know, that was picked up for potential um, DUI and then was apparently running away from the police when he was, when he was shot. And uh, but if look, if George Floyd doesn't happen, um, you know, is the NFL or any any of these other organizations, you know, pledging, making these statements, making these donations, doing whatever. And, and does that take away from the fact that at least we're doing something, at least we're we're aware of it. Unfortunately, I had to take something like this to kickstart, you know, all of this what's happening in the country today. But does it take away for you? That where some people might say, "Oh, this is only a reaction to what happened, and this is this is bowing to public pressure," because right now this is where the the, the country is at this point. I, I can go first, and I say yes, it it it's happening because of that, and it's unfortunate for that reason. But at the same time, you have to hit rock bottom and come out of it. So I think this is it's moving in the right direction. So so it it's, it sometimes takes the worst to happen to find out that you have to do more. And, I, and that's a typical Travis response. He's the glass half full guy. And he's, you know, that's, he's the guy I go to for positivity. Now we'll go to our, <laughs> our resident cynic and, and Scott, who has more of a, well, I'm not going to say Scott's a glass half empty type guy, but Scott is, is going to give you a little, he's a realist. He'll tell you he's a realist. Yeah. So Scott, what, what's your, where, where are you on that? Well, uh, uh, this may shock you. But I pretty much agree with Travis, which is uh, see, Dean. I'm about. <laughs> Travis, you're done. Stop. You you said your well, piece. This, I, you're you're absolutely right. If all this uh, this last month doesn't happen, I think this wouldn't happen. But it is a good thing, obviously, that the NFL is putting money into this. Sure. Yeah, I'll be more interested to see because right now, uh, you know, the league is obviously not active. So there is a lot of time for them to say the right things and do the right things. But when the league, when the season starts, presuming everything starts on time or just slightly delayed, it'll be very interesting to see how the league approaches things. Because now, basically, they're saying all the right things. But what happens in week four when players are still bring, you know, bringing this to the forefront and... I'm, you know, some owners haven't said anything, you know, it's like, sure. are they going to start talking? What if the president tweets stuff? Who knows? You yeah, just have to wait yeah. and see. 
Yeah, I, I think we do. Look, it's it's ultimately it, it's it's a shame that it came to this, and obviously something so shocking and so horrifying that everybody got to see. And just, but what black people have said has gone on for them for for a very long time, and now the white community has to see this this shocking event and say, "Oh, okay, now I'm going to listen." Um, but at least we're listening, right? And but I think ultimately you're right in terms of when the season starts, and you know ultimately it comes down to, and this is the bigger question. I've had conversations with people about this: is you know when you when you right when you work for a company, right? We have we have freedom of speech in this country, and we have certain rights and things like that. But but the reality is when you work for a company and you enter the workplace a lot of those rights go away and you're governed by policies and things like that of the organization, right? You can't just go into your workplace and say whatever you like and, and there be no repercussions. So this, there are some people that believe that this is, this is in a way politicizing the workplace, the, 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 the players, this is their workplace. And now kneeling or making these statements, you know, is, is somehow politicizing the workplace. And, and I understand that. I was having a conversation with a, a former colleague of mine, and that's what kind of he was saying. And I get that, but I think it's beyond that in terms of the platform that these athletes have and how they can affect change. Uh, I believe we have to look past, you know, what obviously we're not going to, we don't want our athletes to be, you know, in terms of, of condoning hate messages and things like that because they have such a tremendous platform. But I think if this platform is for good, I don't have a problem with that in in the workplace. I don't I don't know where you guys are on that or if that even makes sense. If Dean, I take the question as did this seem authentic or did this thing seem like what we kind of have to do? Is it genuine, right? Is it yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, I and I also think look, I struggle with this too. And here's the reality. I struggle with being look, I am by no means we joke, right? I'm I'm the C list celebrity or this the D list celebrity, but I am I am a public figure to some extent. I'm a white man in this country, and I struggle with the the idea of okay on social media especially. And you guys know me; I'm not a big promoter, and I don't like you know I'm not out on social media all the time promoting things and things like that, but. Where, where I struggle with, and I feel like other white people in the in the public space struggle with, um, is not saying anything, being seen as, okay, silence, now you're complicit to what's going on, versus just saying something because everybody's saying something and it not being genuine, versus just behind the scenes, just trying to do what I can and having those conversations and controlling the things I can control and, and, and so that's what I'm struggling with right now, to be perfectly honest. And then I would op- open it to you, especially Scott, you being Asian and being a minority, like what, what, what do I do? You know, what, what's the best route for me? Well, I've seen a lot of people posting similar things. Well, one thing that is funny is, as you pointed out, like on social media, if you have a platform, you can type something in that will ruin your life forever. But I would say, I, I would say uh, quickly to get back to a question before the one directed at me, which is, you know, um, players 
you there they can say whatever they want, like you said, and the employers can decide what they want to do. So right now, I don't think I think the the discourse around it is there. Many players are using their platforms to speak out, which is great. Uh, but if it was some awful thing they were saying, you know, you do have the court of public opinion. And then you also just have like the limits of your employer. And, you know, not to put the NFL on blast or anything, but if you're, you know, they've willingly kept people on their teams who have committed pretty terrible crimes. So I think like, uh, you know, that's that's also making a public statement if you're like, hey, we know this guy did this horrible thing, but we're not going to fire him. Now, again, that's just, they take the heat or they don't. So, but as far as your question with, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, I've seen people post about this too, because some people, myself included, aren't always, uh, you know, 100% comfortable putting like our voice out there because we don't feel like it's authentic to do that or we're co-opting someone else's ideas or we're taking away from things. So it, as long as you're active some way, whether it's like, however you consider that, you know, you're voting, you're talking with your family, your friends, you're, it could be donating money. There's people who like to donate a lot of money, but they don't want to make it a big deal or make it sure. about them. You can still be involved in it just because you're not tweeting. Like, uh, doesn't mean you're silent. And also, the difference too is like, it's not like you tweet fifty thousand things a day and then now you're just not talking about it. Sure, you know. Sure. So, I, I guess, and then I think the other thing that comes down to the NFL, right? Roger Goodell said that he welcomed the team signing Colin Kaepernick. I feel like there are some people that will not take the NFL seriously until Colin Kaepernick is on a team. Um, that is, some would say that Roger Goodell has some control over that. Some would say that Roger Goodell has no control over that. That's up to the 32 clubs and signing someone. The reality is we talked about it last week from a talent perspective, from a playing perspective, he belongs on an NFL roster you know, as a backup at a minimum. Um, but is a team ready to take on that, that public, you know, like you said, that, that discourse, that, that I don't want to use just the word, just, just for lack of a better term, distraction. Okay. Um, that's going to be interesting because look, the reality is I remember when, when Michael Sam, you remember Michael Sam was the defensive end at Missouri, openly, openly gay, he was went into the draft and there was a lot of conversation about whether Michael Sam was going to get drafted. And, and I don't know this for sure, but I, I believe, and it was, and, and ultimately it was the Rams that drafted him. Jeff Fisher was the head coach. They took him, I think with a supper, with a, with a comp compensatory pick in the seventh round. I believe that there was conversation with the league from the league office to the clubs to say, um, someone needs to, to draft this guy. Someone needs to draft this player and, uh, and ultimately happened, and, and unfortunately it didn't work out for, for Sam. His career didn't really go anywhere, but I think it was an important step. And, and I, so I think the league can influence um, a team into, into potentially signing Kaepernick. Um, I think that would be a, a strong message. I like what Roger said about um, he's open to, to working with, with Kaepernick on these issues and having those conversations. And maybe that's more impactful 
um, than him just being on a club, but, but who knows? And we'll, we'll see. But the last thing on the NFL, which I just want to present, considering the current environment, it's never going to get any, any, and for lack of a better term, better than this. How much longer can the NFL continue to have the Washington Redskins as a team right. name at this point? At, at what point can, can, does it, does, does the NFL saying we're fighting for social injustice? Is it not a complete big ball of hypocrisy when one of your team names is, is that offensive? think it's got to change I mean, the, the mayor of, of dc has come out asking for the change again and and i think it's got to change it's if it doesn't change now when is it ever going to change right right now would seem like the time to do it uh i i, I don't know can you speak about how like Dan Snyder obviously has opposed this a lot. Like how much control yeah, does the league I, really have? Look, I think the league, you know, when it comes to this, right, you look, you look at obviously Dan Snyder isn't out making racist comments and doing what Donald Sterling did, but the NBA forced Donald Sterling to, to sell his team because of all the awful things that had happened. Um, I think the NFL could exert influence. I think they've hid behind the idea that it isn't offensive um, to Native Americans, that there have been these polls um, that that have said, well, you know, however many percentage of Native Americans don't find it offensive. Um, look, if if one person finds it offensive, and look, I'm not, I, I'm very, I'm very interested um, in Native American history and things like that. I've studied it. I I I, I understand what's happened in this country, um, you know, revolving around Native Americans. And to me, I just, it's it's. It's mind-boggling that we still have a, a team name, and and to me, the environment today would tell us that this this has to change. Look, now obviously, I'm not trying to take away from from the Black Lives Matter and and, and the historical injustices injustices there, but I don't know how the NFL could sit there and say we're serious about this when you've got one of your 32 franchises with a name like the Redskins. I remember I grew up in New York. St. John's, St. John's, which was a, a, a powerhouse basketball team, right? In the Big East, you remember Chris those Mullins. years, Louis Karnasek and Chris Mullen and, and Bill Wennington and, 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 right. And they were the red men. Okay. And that was, and that, that was changed in the nineties to the red storm, the nineties. And we're still sitting here in 2020 with a team name like the Redskins. I, it, it, it has, to, I'm like you, it has to change. Yeah. I don't know how it continues. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I got nothing else. I agree with you. Speechless. <laughs> All right. So then the other big news about the NFL, um, some Cowboys players, notably Zeke Elliott and some Texans players tested positive for, for COVID-19. Um, to me, right. That's news. This is going to happen. Yeah. Just be prepared. Right. If we're testing, right. The NFL is saying, NFLPA medical director Tom Mayer is saying that we're going to test for COVID three times a week. We're going to isolate players who test positive. If we're testing players, if we've got 53-man rosters, 10 players on the practice squad, um, injured reserve, all of that, we're testing people three times a week, we're going to get positive tests, right? The thing about this – Yes. Sorry. I was saying the thing about the Zeke story is that we don't know when it was. It could have been like when that party was going on at Dak's house. What is that? You know, a month or two months ago already, it seems like um, where they where they had, you know, a bunch of food. and They had the video. We've all seen it. Zeke's there. Dak's there. They got friends over. And there's definitely more than Travis wishes he was there. 
No, <laughs> no, I that's not my scene. I did get the invite because I'm I sure go you did. You have the guys. I didn't go. So it's like, did he get it then, or is it something recent? Now, if it's if it's later, you know, if it if it's within the last week or so, then then you start to question it. But but Texas is opening up things again, like everything else, and 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 it's it's you don't, we don't know when it was. People are going to get it. People are going to get, gonna it, get right? it. Right. The 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 mortality rate, though, certainly as as you have a younger stronger, you know, stronger immune system, the mortality rate isn't, isn't extremely high. Um, but you're going to have cases and we might, we might be in a world who knows in the fall when guess what, you know, the, the bucks are playing the saints and Tom Brady just tested positive and Tom Brady ain't playing on Sunday. Right. So this is, this could happen. And, and that's the reality every week. It's going to be, you know, who, who's injured, who, who potentially tests positive, you know, and that's going to be with all professional sports. You look at what's happening in Europe and leagues are happy, you know, they've, um, whether it's Bundesliga or other, you know, they've been playing for, for several weeks and, and they've been operating. Um, there have, hasn't been a, a major, major outbreak. And, and hopefully that's the case with all of our sports. And, uh, and we won't have, uh, we won't have major issues going into the, uh, into the season. Yeah, the interesting thing with the NFL is I, I think it was Bruce Arians who said he's contemplating having a quarterback stay at home and studying from home and not being around the team. Cause if your backup gets COVID, you're, I mean, if your starter gets it, you're like likely going to spread it to the quarterback room and the backup is going to get it too. Now you're stuck with your third string quarterback. So it, it's interesting to bring in the strategy of everything too, which well, I hadn't no even question. thought about that side of it. I, I think that's going to, that's definitely going to take place. You're, you're going to take special care with certain people. Maybe they don't come to the facility every day. Maybe they do things from home. Obviously, if, if it's a practice day and they've got to be on the field, that's different. But uh, yeah. it's certainly going to be it's going to be interesting. Even it's, the it's NFL is going to be working remotely. Amazing. <laughs> Everyone's working st- remotely. I'm going to so. stay healthy. I might get my call this year. <laughs> They're going to step in. We might you see, know? you know, very unheralded free agent signing. Joe Madrid from Redondo Beach yes. <laughs> is uh, is stepping in for uh, for, for, for Gronk. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey isn't playing, so Mahomes is going to be Madrid's going to be his top target. Could use the dough. <laughs> All right, and then I don't know baseball. What, oh. What's the deal? Talk to me. What what? Rob Manfred was, was said he, we were a hundred percent playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Friday, right? And now, uh, did I did I really say that? Did I say we were 100 percent playing? Um, look, a lot of this has to do with the union. I think the league, right? The league keeps proposing different. They keep basically proposing the same thing in different ways, and ultimately, it comes down to each proposal. The players are getting roughly one third of their salaries. However, you slice it, it's still roughly a third of what the players would be making. And I think that's the the, the the MLBPA's um, issue. But and, you know, they're probably uh, getting that extra so 600 now, on unemployment, Dean. What's that? They're probably getting that extra 600 on unemployment. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Uh, a week. I'm sure that's what they're getting. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be interesting. Baseball, if baseball cancels the season, this would be only the second time in professional, North American professional sports that an entire season was canceled. Um, the NFL canceled the entire, I think it was what, 1995 season. Um, so you think about 1994 when baseball, uh, you know, canceled the rest of the season, didn't play the world series. Montreal Expos never, never 
recovered from that, right? The Montreal Expos went into went into debt. Um, they couldn't afford the, the better players. They had to basically sell off these players, and ultimately they they went to funk. So that we worry about stack too. Yeah, and you worry about you know is that the case? Do, could we see a, a repeat of that if we cancel a season? Because owning a professional sports franchise. Um, you know, at least in my experience and the people that I talk to, it's more of a vanity project than anything else. Most of these owners have made their money in other industries and they own a, a sports team because, because it's high profile and, and it's a vanity thing versus, um, you know, them making money hand over fist. I mean, for, for every organization like the Cowboys or the Yankees um, that are, you know, that continue to, to be valued at, at, at you know, however many billions of dollars, then you have others, whether it's, you know, small market baseball teams, small market hockey teams, things like that, that, that aren't, that, that are kind of just breaking even and, and not having a season would be catastrophic. I like so how you we'll didn't say, call any of those teams out by name. That was, that was, uh, that was good. No, that was very diplomatic. I'm yeah. just like, you, yeah. said, you, you can, I'll take my shitty thoughts and I'll project them onto you and how you can all run through the teams in your mind <laughs> that you, uh, that you think of. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the, the NFL's officiating department restructure, something that I'm intimately, intimately involved with. Next on Good Call. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
good calls. Travis is having a glass of wine. I do want to say the other day I had a, um, when, what day was it? Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know. We had a, I had a virtual happy hour with some friends and they're on the East Coast. So I had like three drinks at three o'clock in the afternoon, passed out at five for like an hour and a half. So nice. I am so out of drinking right now because of, of I, you would think that I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I'm kind of a, a homebody and I like being on my own, but I don't like drinking by myself. Sure. I'm a very social drinker, so I haven't been drinking. And I was literally wasted after three <laughs> drinks and passed out on the coat on the sofa. And that's that's how it goes with quarantine. I think I think that my wife and I have drank wine pretty much every day with dinner since since uh, quarantine started. It sounds very romantic. Wow. Yeah, it's not. No, we have a two year old so throwing kids. food all the time. Oh, it's to help us get through dinner. There we go. <laughs> The, the eight kids come in, ruin your, your romantic dinner. All right. So in all of this, right, in all of the everything that's been happening in the world um, and in this country, uh, you know, COVID, the, the, the social unrest, kind of what slipped under the cracks a little bit is the, the NFL has restructured their officiating department. And obviously, this is a show that focuses on NFL rules, so we thought it would be important to cover that. Um, look, the reality is the conversation, I've had conversations with the NFL um, ever since I left. And, and, and they, the NFL has always been a, a special place for me. And I've always wanted to help them. And I've had conversations about potentially, you know, getting back there. And it just hasn't worked out, right? It hasn't worked out. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. And I'm open to helping the NFL in any way. So the NFL restructured their officiating department and did a couple of things. So Al Riveron, who was the senior vice president of officiating in the mold of what had happened in the past, typically, right, there was one person that oversaw the department. Um, underneath that person, there are officiating supervisors. There's a support staff. Um, but that one person oversees everything, is ultimately responsible um, for the, the structure in the department, the day-to-day operations, um, hiring, firing, training, right? That one person. And, and you obviously have a support staff. That job has grown exponentially, um, even from when I had it. And, uh, you know, you talk about replay going into the, the league office and, and that's something that that person would be responsible for. There's obviously so much in terms of social media, the, the, the connecting with the media, the clubs, everything else, it's a big job. So what the league did is they divided it up, right? So Al Riveron is, is no longer in charge of the officiating department, right? It's, it's basically a, three, a three-headed approach um, Al Riveron will be in charge of instant replay. Um, this will be interesting because I, I love Al to death. Al has a lot of great qualities. I hired Al um, when I got the, the the head job at the NFL. Um, Al has has a particular skill set, and I'll be quite frank: replay isn't a strong suit for Al. It's just not. And we kind of saw it play out last year with pass interference. We never could find. Um, the right place. We never could find a consistent standard. And so putting Al in charge of replay to me is not putting someone in a position to be successful. Um, that's just my opinion, right? I think you take someone's skill set and you say, okay, where can this person best be successful? That's going to help that person grow and is also going to help the organization. And replay is not it for Al Riveron. 
Now, hopefully there'll be people underneath Al that will be able to help and will be making decisions. They're going to have a rotating basis where they'll have people come in and help make decisions on game day and Al will oversee it. So hopefully that, that will um, mitigate some of those, those circumstances where, where Al would just be the sole person making those decisions. Okay. Cause again, not his strong suit has a lot of skill set. has, has skills that I don't have came from an on-field background, understands officiating mechanics, understands all of those things. And I needed him because I didn't understand those things to that degree. Right. But replay, right. That's not his wheelhouse. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, league hired Walt Anderson, longtime referee had been a supervisor coordinator of officials in the big 12 for a long time. So has management experience, understands that part of it, obviously understands the on-field part of it, has, understands replay. I think Walt is a, is a good hire. Walt, I've known Walt for a long time. Um, Walt is as hard a worker as I've ever seen. Walt will do whatever it takes. Walt will put in the time. He's going to be in charge of development and training, right? So he's going to work with the on-field officials, um, implement a training system, a training program to help get the officials on the field better. So I think that's good, right? Walt's going to need direction. Walt's going to need to have to communicate with the competition committee to make sure that um, what is being taught to the officials is consistent with what the committee is, you know, wants for the game. And then the third part is um, the league hired Perry Fuel. Perry Fuel is a longtime nice. assistant coach in the league, had been an interim head coach with uh, the, the Panthers, um, defensive coordinator, was defensive coordinator with the Giants when they won a Super Bowl. I've known Perry for a long time, smart guy, obviously comes from a coaching background. I think that's good. Having somebody with a coaching background in officiating is important. We did this when I was there. We brought in coaches that weren't working that year to spend the season with us. Uh, we did it with Jeff Fisher, Lovey Smith, Ken Wisenhunt, Jim Schwartz. Um, we had coaches come in because they give you a unique perspective um, that you don't have from an officiating background. They can tell you what, you know, what is being coached, what that player is attempting to do, what his assignment is, where, where he's trying to get to on the football field. And that can help officials anticipate things. So I think that's great. Perry's going to be in charge of the day-to-day operation of the department and also going to communicate with the media and communicate with the clubs. The one concern I have about that is that Perry, while he may know football very well and, and he understand it from a coach's X's and O's standpoint, it takes a long time to understand it from an officiating perspective. So Perry has a, a, a kind of a steep learning curve and it's going to take some time. It's going to take time for him to be able to communicate with a head coach or an assistant coach on an officiating issue. So he's going to need help. I think that's where the league needs to basically provide him some resources to give him the support. So again, putting people in a position to be successful. So that's the setup. All three will ultimately report to Troy Vincent, who's the executive VP of football operations. So the buck will stop with Troy. And and so depending on how this goes, right, it's ultimately going to fall on Troy's lap. He's responsible. And so it'll be interesting to see how that, how this goes. I think ultimately what is, when you think about officiating today, what what of those three things, what's the most high profile? What's the most impactful for you as a fan watching? Replay. It's it's it that goes without saying. Replay. And it's like you still have the guy who who messed it up last season in charge of it. Like that to me doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and that and that's from the person on the outside looking in. And I'll tell you from the person who used to be on the inside and for people that I've talked to on the inside, um, that's the concern. Yeah. Right. You've taken someone that 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 was not their strong suit, right? No fault of their own. It's just not, right? Joe's Joe's not good at, you know. Uh-oh, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm running down the list of things. You're having Joe's a hard time in. finding something. You're having a hard time. I mean, it's just Joe's not a great dresser, right? So I wouldn't put <laughs> Joe in charge of, if I ran a fashion house, I wouldn't put Joe in charge, right? How I'd dare you? I'm an amazing dresser. Taking out clients, socializing, that kind of thing. He's good with that. I, I would take him and say, hey, take, these, these, take this group out, show them a good time, all right? Scott's going to handle the, the fashion part of it. Okay, so if I had you three, I would put you in a position to be successful. And that's the concern. And look, it's not to say it can't work. And I hope it does. I want it to work. Because I spent too much time and too much time is invested in officiating to watch it, um, you know, be like it was last year. And, 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 and to have that type of negative um, negativity surrounding it. And, and so I want it to work. I hope it works. There are smart people involved. And I just hope that we put people in a position to be successful. And it's going to be interesting because when all of this, when COVID, you know, and everything else, when we get back to playing games, ultimately what's going to happen on Sunday, right? That, that replay, and we're going to be sitting there and I'm going to be trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I just don't want to be making that face like I made in that Cleveland Raider game in 2000. 2017 when they overturned that line in the game and then basically became a meme because my my face I was shocked and I didn't know the camera was coming back to me and I had that what the f look on my face so I'm hoping that that's not the case although you guys would enjoy that because everybody gets a kick out of that type of stuff what I think I'll enjoy is I want to hear Joe's rebuttal on him not having any fashion sense you know I get compliments on my wardrobe all the time all the time <laughs> so I wish you would have went with something else that I actually am not good at, but I get it. You probably had a hard time finding that. You're not good at social distancing. Terrible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. So, so Dean, so Perry will be the one taking the calls from the mad coaches. Yeah. Than- I think that's the way it's set up. And, and that, that's, that's the thing that, look, I get it from a coach's perspective. And I love the fact of having somebody Perry like, like having someone like Perry in there, but I, I can't see Perry answering a call from Bill Belichick or from, you know, Anthony Lynn or from, uh, from Bill O'Brien asking about a holding call and, and him being able to speak to the officiating mechanics and from a place of, of knowledge at this point, not saying he can't get there, but at this point, that would be difficult. It would be like me trying to go in and I'm coaching defensive line for the 49ers, right? I wouldn't know initially what to teach them or what to, to tell, you know, my players. I would need time to learn and to grasp it and things like that. So, so that's going to be the challenge. I think the coaches will still call you. <laughs> well, yeah, I still get, obviously, I still get phone calls. I talk to, you know, I talk to people from the club today. Um, I'll be working with several clubs on, on rules and, and helping their rookies and, and talking the differences between NCA and NFL rules and putting together position specific tapes related to rules. So here are the rules that, you know, working with, with, with teams in terms of here are the rules that your linebackers need to know, right? Here are the rules that your defensive backs need to know. Here are the rules that your offensive linemen need to know. What are the rules that most impact those position groups, putting together videos 
and we'll do some Zoom stuff. We'll hopefully when we get to visit and training camp and go and work with some clubs and help them on that. So that's, you know, that's something I, I appreciate those relationships and the ability to do those things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because as you know, once the season starts, nobody's, nobody's talking about officiating now in June, but in, I guarantee you in October, they're going to be talking about it if we're playing games. And this is going to come to more of the forefront as to this structure and whether it's working or not. And then that's going to be, and that, that remains to be seen. Would you, would you say that, I mean, it's, should there almost be a different position for the, like Riveron had to answer because he's the head of officiating to mistakes. You would think they should almost create a second person almost as like their face, like a PR person that's the face forward because like you said, a lot of times you can be a, you can know the rule book, you can be an X's and O's guy, but if you can't communicate really well to the media, you'll come off as aloof and then the league gets heat. Would you think the NFL would be open to creating yeah, I, like I, another I look, position? Uh, you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think that makes perfect sense. And I think the structure, I like the idea of kind of, of, of creating these different you know, these different verticals and having somebody in charge, but you have to have the right people in those verticals, right? And you have to have someone, like you said, if I'm communicating, if it's my job, if I'm the head of officiating and my job is to teach officials and to train and to do replay and also communicate with the media, there's a couple of different skill sets there. And, and, and it's rare that one person has the ability to do those things. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so I like the fact that you'd have somebody that could communicate with the media that is not necessarily making those decisions because there's a buffer and there's a separate, you know, a separation, but you got to have the right people, someone, whoever's communicating with the media, that that's a skill, right? That was, you know, we, Mike Pereira was really good at that when Mike was head of officiating, Um, you know, Al wasn't as good with that. That's again, that's not within his skill set. Um, Al was better behind the scenes, teaching officials positioning, where to be, what to do, those types of things. So I think the structure and the concept makes sense, but you got to put people in position to be successful. And, and, and again, you, you do someone a disservice if you put them in a job um, that they're not suited for. I had a conversation with a head coach at the Super Bowl just about this fact, and he said, listen, it's like a player playing out of position. You know, we draft a we draft a kid and we think he's a cornerback, and and it's right away we realize he's not a corner. He's not. He can't play corner in this league. We got to make him a safety. The longer we leave him at corner, right, it's going to hurt his development and it's going to hurt the team. And it's the same deal. And that and that's ultimately what what we we've seen um, go in the past, and we potentially could see going forward if we don't put people in the right position. So that's where I'm at. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Joe is going to, is going to, he's got a new song and, uh, and it's called If I Was a Troll. I'll let Joe explain it. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, 
helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back on Good Calls. And I have a, I have a, a proclamation. I have an announcement to make. All right, and this may come as a shock to everybody, um, but I, I've not had a peanut M and M since June seventh. Oh man! Sorry, wait, wait, I screwed that up. Sorry, no, no, no. What's today? No, no, no. Wait, it gets better. I've not had a peanut M and M since May seventh. Well, there's wow. a bag in the cube right now. May seventh. I've not had a peanut M and M. I realized I finally hit rock bottom on May 7th and I know that. And I've, and, and so, um, I ordered two party size M&M bags off Amazon in addition to, um, a giant tub of double bubble. And I know that I ordered, it was delivered on April 27th, the two party size. Now the party size are the Mac daddy M&M bags, right? And on May 7th, I finished the second bag by myself, right? So, so in 11 days, I finished two party size bags of M&Ms and I finally hit rock bottom. And I said, I'm not going to eat an M&M, not saying forever, but I'm not going to eat another peanut M&M and I'm going strong. Today is June 16th. I've not had one since May 7th. Congratulations. That's really good. Like for, for people who are listening who don't know, Dean houses peanut butter, peanut M&Ms, double bubble gum all day long, every day when we're in the cube. And it's, it's amazing it's how he can, it's amazing how he can stay as skinny as he does with eating as much junk as, as, as you eat, Dean. That, that's and I, good. I have, I have 
I have increased my half-baked intake to two pints a week. Jeez. One a week. And I spread it out though. Like I'll do, I'll do a weekend. So probably like a Friday night and like a Tuesday to try to spread it out. So, um, you know, I'll do one peanut butter half-baked maybe, and then a regular half-baked, but the peanut M&Ms, and I, and I honestly say, I don't miss it. So here's my question to you with, with the, the pint of ice cream, why don't you just eat like a little bit each day? What are you, what's wrong with you? I'm just the influence of my wife. That's just ridiculous. Like, Like, why would you even say that? Um, you, you can't, again, we've talked about this. The half-baked, right, it's very important that you get it from the store to your freezer immediately. It, you cannot let it melt and then refreeze. That's a problem. So as soon as you get home, right, you can't – I don't go buy the half-baked and then run another errand. It's the last thing that you buy. It's the last thing you get at the supermarket. It's the last store you go to. You go immediately home, you put it in the freezer. You take it out 10 minutes before you're going to eat it. You let it settle. You let it start to defrost. And you'll know if you did it right, when you take the top off, if the top comes off, it's kind of like, it's just a feeling and you go, Oh, this is going to be a good pint. And it's creamy and you don't have that frostbite on it. Look, it's a, it's like ice cream sommelier. You got to let it breathe before you can eat it. Right. hundred percent. And you can't like eat, you can't eat like part of it. You eat the whole thing, you're all in and then you go. Okay. (laughs) You have a problem. You have an addiction. <laughs> yes. And look, that's my my entire life has been sweet tooth has been my problem. Um, so, but yes, the peanut M&M thing, I don't miss it. And I feel good. So let's see. We'll see how long it goes. Um, so today I was presented with an opportunity and I passed because I'm not a Twitter troll. I get trolled by people left and right, especially during football season. And so I don't ever want to become one of those people. But, um, you know, Des Bryant, who he and I are, are connected for life, right, because of that one fateful afternoon in, in 2015, um, he tweeted that he had took a COVID-19 test and he it came up negative, right? Um <laughs> So I was just, I saw it, right, because I followed Des, and there's so much I could do with that. Like, so I'll leave it to you guys. What would be the tweet, right? Because, I mean, it's so, the easy one is, you know, hey, Des, glad you didn't catch it. But, like, where where do you go with it? Just, where just do you, like. Told you. What, what's that? Told you. Didn't catch it. <laughs> I mean, it's, Short it's you know, sweet. I mean, I. I was thinking, I you know, hey, Des, I could have told you that. You know, there's so much you could go with, but I'm not. So I'll do it here at, at, amongst friends and just understand I'm not a Twitter troll. But Wait, I have a question. Thinking, if you were a troll, right? If you were a troll, who would you troll right now? Scott, if you were a Twitter troll, who would you be trolling right now? Uh, and I feel like, And I feel like Scott, of all of us, is the closest to a Twitter troll. If you follow Scott Tamil at Scott Tamil on Twitter, he does tweet at people. He does. He he. It's a very underrated Twitter account. He I does, do, I rarely tweet at people, but, but he tweets about people. Yes, he does take shots at people. But so I, 
yeah. I know who I, I, will I know say... who I troll. Hmm? I know who I troll. Oh. Who would okay. you troll? You who know. would you troll? You know. We can't get too deep, but his name's Roger. Oh God. Roger oh. Goodell. Joe's not a fan. Joe Joe's not a Roger Goodell fan. To say no, he's man. not a fan is is being very kind. Yeah. Wow, well, Rod, well, Rod, well, hey, Rogers is a good guy. I, I you'd, you'd have a beer. You'd have a beer with Roger. You would. I, I thought just you were going to say Vegas guy. Dave. Oh. Be the guy. Don't. He would give you. He, he would give him energy. He invites the trolls, right? True. Oh, dude! When we were in Cabo, I was just begging to run into him. After about <laughs> seven or eight drinks. <laughs> All right, Scott. Sorry, sorry to bring it up. Oh no! I I mean, the only person I think I've ever been blocked by on Twitter is Frank Stallone. <laughs> brother, you, brother of Sylvester Stallone. How do you get blocked? That's the most. How do you get blocked by Frank Stallone? Well, like what? He's he's an angry guy these days. Uh, he has a lot of opinions on how the country is being run. But this was back. Now this would have been back in 2016. He was going off about how uh, all these celebrities who were uh, promoting who they were going to vote for president, right? So it was obviously Hillary Clinton or Trump, and he said. Like, uh, Bon Jovi is a loser and he hasn't even, because I think he backed Hillary Clinton and it's like, Bon Jovi hasn't even been inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. What a loser. And I tweeted at Frank because he has a recording career. He does. Yes. He, just so people know he's released albums. I said, Frank, when are you getting inducted? And he, like within a... (laughs) seconds like Ooh, he must he immediately you're a, you're a blocked me. Spot. you're a sore spot yeah which i think is a fair you know it's like if you're calling bon jovi a loser for not being in the rock and roll hall of fame as a musician how yeah. is bon jovi how is still bon not jovi in, not in yeah i'm not sure let me check that's a travesty if he isn't if if bon jovi's not in the rock and roll hall of fame that's an issue oh wait they, they got inducted in 2018 Okay. All right. Good. So you should Frank Stallone now. Now his Frank's tweet is no longer didn't age well. If you ever get invited back to this Stallone residence, please let me let me. Since you brought it up, Scott. Since you brought it up, you know (laughs) I have hung out with Frank Stallone. I've I've hung out at at you know we we you know us friends we call him Sly. So I've spent time (laughs) at Sly's house. Uh, Frank was there. Uh, he, you know, seemed like a good guy. Didn't talk much, but, but he was kind of just kind of in the background. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't think when I hung out, no, I didn't know you when I hung out with, with Sly. So I didn't know the Frank Stallone story that, you know, I wish I would have, cause then I would have asked him about it. Hey, you, you remember blocking <laughs> this Asian kid on Twitter when he said that you weren't in the hall of the, the, the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. But obviously you hit a sore spot. But I would like to see you go after Frank Stallone. Let's start a Twitter beef between you guys. And just let's do it from the... I just I would just love to apologize, you know? I want to break bread with Next Frank Stallone. Next time I'm at Sly's house, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll FaceTime you. Hey, Dean, okay. give, give we'll him access. Give Scott access to the Good Calls Twitter. Let him... Uh, you should run with that on there. 
just go, yeah. That's Give us actually, a couple you know, more yeah. listeners. Yeah. Scott does, I will say this, Scott is, is the most active in terms of, you know, what's happening in the world today in the country. He's active in the, in the LA political scene and, and, and in terms of your council members, you're always tweeting about that stuff. Um, so kudos to you um, for that. Travis, on the other hand, Travis, who would you, who would you troll? Honestly, I've been trying to rack my brain about it. I've never, I've never tweeted in it. And I just, I I don't care to like bother people that much. Like I don't want to hear about other people's problems. So I'm not like looking at stuff on Twitter all the time. And I don't care to like just bother. There's a statement right there. Hey, People Dean, on Twitter are just sharing their own problems. Dean, remember, right? remember social when social media is just look at me, look at me, look at me. Hey, world, don't forget about me. Right, that's and what I, you're saying, Travis. I mean, not, not, not. No, exactly that's what that. I'm getting from it. Well, so everybody I, on social media, I don't need anyone looking at me. That yeah. Hey, Dean, remember but when? You, remember when I got into a battle with one of your trolls on Twitter? They challenged yeah, me to so, a fight, and, then, and I get accused of. <laughs> I get accused of having burner accounts. I don't have a burner account. My friends have accounts and they will, they will go after people that go after me. And it's hilarious. Like Joe and his, and his, his, his alternate ego on Twitter (laughs) going at it with this guy from like Temecula, who's a cowboy fan, like back and forth. It was insane for (laughs) hours. It, it I, got, I wish I want to find that exchange, <laughs> Travis. It, it got so like far. We had like an off ramp. We were fighting like two 12 year olds, <laughs> like, like back and forth trying to get the last word in. No, dude, got to, he gave me the off ramp. What freeway that we were, we were going to meet and fight. Oh my God. It's so, it was amazing. It was I, amazing. W- I wish that would have happened. Pay-per-view. <laughs> well, funny. I do, I do, I do think that would be a good reality show where you get celebrities and they go visit someone that has been particularly trollish toward them. And then you have so that interaction in person. Because the interaction in, p- in person is so much different totally. than social media. Everybody you meet in person, um, 99% are, are gracious and, and happy and they want to talk to you. And I just feel like sometimes people get on Twitter or get on social media and they have this, I don't know, this, this negative vibe and it, and it just doesn't, you know, they feel emboldened and empowered to, uh, to make people try to feel, but make them feel bad about themselves. But yeah. And you show us the tweets that these guys send to you. And when you actually write them back and like, Hey, I understand your point. And then they're like, Oh, Dean, that's cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for writing me back. And they're like really nice at that point. Well, yeah. And I had the other way a couple of weeks ago, I had the guy apologize randomly from a tweet from like two years ago. <laughs> right. He's like, I was going through a tough time, dude. Sorry. <laughs> like, okay. That's awesome. I'm glad you're doing better. Um, but the thing, the one, you know, we did meet, I remember we met this guy and we were out in Hermosa one night, Joe was there and the guy like came up to me and, and he trolled me in person like, <laughs> he, when we videotaped it yeah. and he like did an impression of me on the air and he made fun of me and it was hilarious. It was pretty good. Um, yeah. Actually and pretty I good found, uh, Brian Fogel, Fogel, Erd or something from, from Minnesota, actually big Vikings fan. Um, all right. So Scott, you were pretty adamant about this. The, so the, the Maguire Sosa documentary on ESPN sucked basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it was I, I was actually really excited for it because uh, obviously that home run race was a real exciting time in baseball. But the documentary is just like a real fluffy, like zero content doc that really spends a lot of time just on like, hey, this is bringing uh, America together and people are loving it, which it was a really exciting event. I remember it. But, you know, obviously steroids hang over that entire era. And, you know, it's an hour and 45 minutes. They don't bring up any sort of performance enhancing stuff till about 45 minutes. And then only about five minutes, 10 minutes, right at the end of the documentary, are like, Oh yeah, and McGuire did steroids, and Sammy Sosa probably did them, and uh, that's about it. Like it, it's just a, it's just <sighs> yeah. a really weird way that they framed everything, and you know, just like my complaint with baseball always is like it's too uh, obsessed with its own self-importance and its own history, and it's it, it's just talks about like it just it's just not a particularly compelling documentary. Uh, I say skip it. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't, I don't know how you talk about that time without talking about the storage and making it a central part of the documentary. Obviously, that was an exciting time. You can't, like, you think about baseball. The last time baseball was the, the national story probably was those those years. And, and that one particular year when, when McGuire hit 70 and Sammy hit 66, um, it was exciting. I remember, right, I'm not, uh, I don't sit there today and, and you know, if, we have a baseball season, but last year or the year before, or for the last 10 years, I'm not tuning into a Cardinals Brewers game on Tuesday night. You know, back then, yeah, I was watching, it was must see TV, you know, when the Cubs were playing, you know, the, the, the Dodgers, right. We, we, we had to watch because Sammy, you know, what is Sammy going to do? What is, what is McGuire going to do? And that race was, I mean, it was September. Sammy was actually ahead. And, uh, you know, we hadn't seen, you think about, we hadn't seen, seen a 60 home run season since Roger Maris in, in 1961. And now we've got two guys hitting 60 home runs and, uh, and, you know, McGuire actually getting the 70. And then you think about that era in a five, six year span where, you know, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds hitting 60 home runs. Sammy did it, I think three times, um, insane. And, and, but to not talk about steroids and, and the impact and, and everything that I think that's, that's leaving out a big part of the story. It's like doing a documentary about Michael Jordan and not, you know, just coming out and saying he's an asshole. It's like, it's irresponsible. <laughs> I, I will say also, they barely interview Sosa. Like that, it's weird. Like the way the trailer is, you think you're going to get a lot of airtime with McGuire and Sosa. Sosa maybe talks like eight or nine times, but for, you know, cumulatively of the one hour, 45 minutes, He's maybe in five to seven minutes. Of, it's really, really odd. It, That's it is, interesting. It is like a Mark McGuire-centered thing. And I also thought, just real quick, that they didn't talk up. They really briefly mentioned how the Cubs had basically iced him out. He won the MV, NL MVP he hasn't that year. Been back. He hasn't been back to Wrigley since. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I, I thought that would have been more interesting. I, it sounds like they, the Cubs themselves, want him to be like, I did steroids and I'm sorry. And he refuses to say that. So they just have never brought him back. Well, I mean, there's no question. I don't, I mean, right. It was never proven, but he, he was on something. I mean, this is a guy that corked his back, right? Remember when he broke the yeah. bat in the, and the cork was in the bat. I mean, so, so yeah. this is a guy that, and look, 
I don't think, right, do, does Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire have to answer for the sins of an entire era? Because it wasn't just them, right? No, and they, they do say that it wasn't just them, but it's like, do they have to answer for it? But they should probably just, just be themselves. honest about it. For themselves, uh, yeah. absolutely. But they have become the poster children for for that era because obviously they were, you know, other than Bonds, they were, they were hitting the most home runs. But when you have guys like, Right. Who was it on the Orioles that had 50 home runs that hadn't what Brady Anderson and and some of these other guys that that hadn't hit more than 10 or 15 home runs in, in their career. And then all of a sudden they're hitting 30, 40 home runs, um, whether it was a combination of PDs, um, baseball, messing with the foot, with the baseballs, all of that to make it more exciting. Um, but there was definitely something going on. And, uh, and but the reality is it has baseball hasn't been as exciting since. Um, you know, and I say that as a Dodger fan and the Dodgers haven't been in a couple of world series and, and, uh, you know, recently and, and, but it just hasn't been, it hasn't been as exciting as, uh, you know, football and even some of the other sports. Let's go Brandon Blandino. All right, let's go. First guy that said, pardon my French fucking nailed it. (laughs) Who's the first guy that said that? Who's the, like the guy, how did that start? I'm always fascinated with these sayings. Like, who's the guy that dropped the F-bomb and was like, pardon my French? And everybody was like, oh my God, what just happened? What, like, who who created that? And how cool, how great did that guy feel? It's like we talked about before, like the idioms that don't stick, like, how many times did, did he that have one to say, say? How many times right. did he say "part of my French" before it kind of became a thing? It's like, "Hey, Rick, stop saying that thing." Stop it's saying never "part of my French" thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Just, here. You're just cursing the curse. Like, stop. <laughs> the kids are around enough, and he just kept doing it. But like that—that's always fascinating to me. Is is sayings and you know, right? What two birds in the hand is is or one bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, and and the grass is always greener. Like how many, who came up with the idea? And then they said, Hey, listen, Scott, I've got this idea for a saying and I want to incorporate it. So at the party, you say this, I'll respond, make sure people are around and then it'll catch on. <laughs> Is that how it happens? Something like that. Right. It's like, you just have to continually say it over and over. Wait, and did over you say the grass over. is always so do you mean that you're always looking for something else what you currently have is not enough is that what that means hey joe come here listen to this this guy just said the grass is always greener and then they tell a friend yeah they tell a friend no i think how it goes down is like i think how it goes down is like oh you know my friend dean he always says the grass is always greener on the other side and then it's like oh that's pretty intelligent and then you know it just keeps going snowball effect so part of my French was that, like, That's hey, this, my friend Travis, he always he curses and then he says, "Pardon my French." It's it's I just it's so cool. So and I'm then, gonna start and, saying it and too. And then we all say it. And how did it become French? Because French is what? It's just like a, a proper. I think it's maybe it's proper. It's like a like, proper. Yeah. Or it's elegant. a language of love, isn't it? And it's it kind of guess. just rolls all, off the they're tongue. They're all romantic, yeah. right? There, there's the 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 romantic languages. Right, French, Italian, Spanish. All right. Hey, Dean, I note, see the hot, fuck it, the hot my French. The hot cast <laughs> shirt. When are we going to get some good call shirts, bro? 
What's going on? All right, I'll design it. Let's design it. You know, we'll you should let me design it since I'm the best face. dressed. I'm the best dressed on the podcast. I should probably do Travis, I want... I, okay, Travis, you have to pose for a picture. I need you to be in flip-flops doing a flying drop kick, and we'll take a picture of it. We'll put it on a t-shirt and it'll be good call. Boom. On that yeah, note. let's do it. On that note. This has been Good Calls with Dean Blandino. Please follow me on Twitter at Dean Blandino and Instagram at Dean.Blandino. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Rules Podcast and be sure to rate our podcast on the iHeartRadio app and on Apple Podcasts. Good Calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.